you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to the book of Colossians. And I'm sorry for the wrong reference on the screen there. We actually used that reference on Wednesday night, but the Lord changed uh, the scripture this morning. And, um, and so Colossians chapter number two, Colossians two is where we're going to go today. And man, just really trying to discern the will of the Lord today. And I, and Wednesday night, we had a great service, and we've been, we have been, on Wednesday night, we've been teaching on understanding our statement of faith. And this last Wednesday night, we started talking about the doctrine of the Godhead, um, the Trinity. And the Lord just gave us such a good service, and it was a strong service, and, 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 I, and we got a lot of wonderful feedback from the service on Wednesday night. But we didn't cover, but just a little bit. Just we just barely, barely scratched the surface. And I was trying to figure out, Lord, what, what what's your will for today? And so I thought, well, I'm going to finish it this morning, and um, I'm going to finish it this morning, and and I am I am going to try to finish it this morning. But I don't think I'm going to get it finished this morning. And I have a message tonight I want to give you on the Holy Spirit. And uh, but this message that we're talking about this morning is so important. And uh, if you were in the service on Wednesday night, by the way, if you were not in the service Wednesday night, boy, I encourage you to go back to the live stream and watch it. Amen. Watch it. We used our Bibles a lot Wednesday night. And because I don't want you just to hear something that a, a preacher says. I want you to see it from the word of God. And so we used our Bibles. You ask our people. We turned to a lot of places on Wednesday night. And then this morning, I'm going to be honest with you, I was going to preach, I was going to try to, I was going to do my best to finish this this morning, and then tonight we're going to be back on our series on the Holy Spirit, and I'm just looking through the material that the Lord gave me to give to you today, and I'm thinking, Lord, this is just, I'm thinking, how am I going to get all this in in 30 minutes? Because it's just, it's just way too important to rush through. Um, we have no wiggle room on the subject we're talking about today. And there is so much error. There's so much error out there. And it's not just in Mormonism. Uh, and it's not just with the Jehovah's Witnesses. But it is, it is making its way into, into Protestant churches and into Baptist churches. And so we need to know what we believe about this subject of the Godhead. So we're just, I'm going to do my best to follow the will of the Lord today. And, and if I can't get this finished this morning, then what I'm going to do is we're just going to stop. And I'll finish it tonight. And we don't typically we don't do that, but but uh, we we'll, want to try to follow the will of the Lord. So Colossians chapter two in your Bibles when you find your place. If you'll stand with us today, out of respect for the reading of God's word, I'm not even going to listen. I'm not even going to really review a lot today. I, I so you'll you'll definitely have to go back and watch Wednesday night if you want to get part one of this message. And I encourage you to do that. Colossians chapter two. We're going to begin in verse number six. And Paul, as he addresses the church of Colossae, says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. By the way, that's what we're talking about, being established in the faith, knowing what you believe. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now, let me, let me just stop a moment, and before we, we get into preaching, let me preach a little bit before we get into preaching, and explain what that verse is talking about. 
Look at it again. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. So every once in a while, uh, when a storm hits, you'll see a tree that's toppled over. And a lot of times that happens because that tree is not rooted well. Maybe the roots have got a disease. Maybe uh, the tree is dying. Maybe bugs got in it. And, uh, and it ate away at those roots. And because it was not rooted well, it toppled over. We're seeing that happen in our churches a lot today. A lot of Christians are not rooted. They're not rooted. They're not established in the faith. And so when Satan comes and the, those demonic winds begin to blow, we're seeing a lot of those Christians fall over. They're falling out. Not, not, not losing their salvation, but they are falling away. They're falling away from the Lord. And the Bible, of course, tells us that's going to happen. And so he says here, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught. And then he says, abounding therein with thanksgiving. What's he talking about? Man, thankful because you have been taught and because of that, you've been rooted and established in the faith. I am thankful that I have been established in the faith. Listen, thank God that I was exposed to truth when I was just a young man. And I'm so thankful for those teachers and preachers and parents and uh, that, that, that poured into my life. Now look at verse 8. We see an admonition. He says in verse 8, beware. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, that's teaching, and vain deceit. Now, let me, let me say a word about that. Not every teacher means to teach you wrong. Okay, sometimes teachers teach you something they believe is right and, and yet it's not right. And then there are others, it's just vain to see. They know it's wrong and yet they still teach it. So beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Now look at verse nine. The Bible says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the, what's the word? of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. You may be seated this morning, and that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today is, uh, is the doctrine of the Godhead and specifically why it's important for us to understand this doctrine. It's very, very important that we understand this and know where we, we know what we believe. And I'm going to pray here in just a moment. One of the things that we brought out on Wednesday night was this. This is so important because a lot of religions do not believe that Jesus is a part of the Godhead. They believe that he was a good man. They believe he was a good teacher. They believe he was a healer. It's Miss Krista saying about today. But when you come to that part where you begin to talk about he is God, they'll even say this, he's a son of God. Be careful about that. He is not a son of God, by the way. He is the son of God. That definite, that definite article makes a lot of people mad. And yet you'll find that many times in scripture. Jesus did not say, I am many of the ways. Jesus said, I am definite article. I am the way, the truth, the life. But also the Bible tells us that he is the son of God. And so there are many religions who will say, well, Jesus, we, we, we agree. No, we don't agree. We agree that Jesus is a son of God. No, Jesus is the son of God. 
And then they'll something they'll say something like this that we believe he was the we believe that he was the firstborn that God created him. Wrong. That's wrong. That's error. Now it sounds right, and if we're not careful, even Bible believing people will be will be swept into this. Jesus Christ was not created. Jesus Christ has always been. Always been. Why? Because he's very much a part of the Godhead. So we're, let's pray and let's jump into this Bible study this morning. I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Father, we love you. We thank you for your blessings. And Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning at Calvary and teach the Bible once again a little bit. And Lord, this is, uh, this is doctrinal and we maybe won't use uh, quite as many illustrations as we would, as we would normally use. And uh, we won't, Lord, we won't invoke any jokes and things like that this morning necessarily. But Lord, we need to know what we believe about this very important Bible doctrine. And we cannot be wrong about this. Jesus either is God or he's not. And, uh, and Lord, if we're believing in a Jesus that is not God, then we're believing in the wrong Jesus. And Lord, the only Jesus that can save and transform is the Jesus that is a part of the Godhead, the Jesus that is divine. And so I pray, Lord, that you'll bless our discussion this morning. I pray it'll, I pray it'll make sense. I pray it will please you. And I pray it'll be a blessing to your people. We thank you for your blessings. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake, and all God's people said, Amen. By the way, if you want our statement of faith, just go to our website at calvarybcug.com and there's a, uh, a, a link on our website that will tell you exactly what we believe concerning our statement of faith. If you were, go, were to go there today, <coughs> excuse me, you would see these words. We believe in one triune God, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is co-eternal in being, co-identical in nature and co-equal in power and glory and having the same attributes and perfections. Now, church, basically what that means is this, that, uh, that we believe that Jesus has the same power that God the Father has. We believe the Holy Spirit has the same power that Jesus has. Uh, sometimes people will say the first person of the Godhead, second person of the Godhead, and I understand what they're saying about that, and I'm not gonna fall out with somebody uh, on that but, but technically, there, is no, there really is no third person of the Godhead. There's no rank, that's what I mean. They all are, coexist and are co-equal in power. The word Godhead there in Colossians chapter two and verse number nine just simply means divinity or uh, divine nature, uh, that, uh, that God is divine. Now, these are some of the things that we talked about on Wednesday night. <coughs> Excuse me, we said the Bible teaches of a triune God. Now, you won't find the word triune in Scripture, but the teaching is all throughout Scripture. We took a little time on Wednesday night. We started in Genesis and went all the way through, and you'll find the teaching of a triune God all throughout Scripture. We said this, that our Heavenly Father is God and has always been. We said that Jesus Christ is likewise God and has always been. Somebody says, well, uh, uh, Pastor, did Jesus 
not come in Bethlehem. Uh, Jesus came as the incarnation in Bethlehem, but Jesus has always been. There's never been a time when Jesus was not. Uh, and so I, again, I want to, I'm not preaching on this as much, but don't buy into that, that, uh, erroneous doctrine that says that God created Jesus and Jesus came around, uh, came, you know, through Bethlehem and he was, uh, was, a, was a son of God or the son of God. That is not, that's not correct. According to the word of God, that's absolutely incorrect. And you can't believe that, and I can't believe that. God has always been, and Jesus Christ, as a part of the Godhead, has always been as well. Um, also, we learn here that the Holy Spirit is likewise God. Uh, he is a part of the Godhead and likewise God. Now, the accurate doctrine of the Trinity is this, that the Godhead consists of three persons, but one God. Now, I know, again, this is one of those doctrines that makes you want to shake your head. But hang in there just a little bit with me, okay? And we're going to try to break this down the best that we can. The Godhead consists of three persons but one God. They're not three different gods. And there are religions that are teaching that, 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 uh, that yes, and, and again, <coughs> stay with me. They'll teach us this. That yes, God the Father is God. But there have been many gods, and there will be many more gods. In fact, you're going to be a god. That's what they'll tell you. The Bible says there is one. There is one God, and there will be no gods after him. And so uh, the Godhead consists of three persons but one God. Those three persons of the Godhead have always been now, take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn over to 1 John chapter 5, and look at verse number 7. 1 John chapter 5, and look at verse number 7 with me. And we did not bring this, uh, <coughs> we did not bring this verse out the other day. And I want you to pray, because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right, right now, Satan does not want this doctrine taught. There's no doubt about that. And he will do his best to, uh, to distract and to try to keep me from preaching it today. And so you pray they got to let, this, let us get this out. And so many people are confused today about what to believe about this doctrine of the Trinity. Now look at 1 John chapter 5, verse number 7. The Bible says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word. Now John chapter 1 tells us who the Word is. We pointed that out Wednesday night. Uh, the Word is the Lord Jesus Christ, the living Word. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And look at the last part. And these three are what? And these three are one. And so there is one God, and yet he is in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's never been a time when the whole Heavenly Father has not been. And there's never been a time when Jesus has not been. And there's never been a time when the Spirit of God has not been. And we took us all the way back to the book of Genesis. The first two verses of the Bible begin to already teach us concerning the triune God. Now, somebody says, Pastor, how can something be three different things and be one? I mean, that, that, that boggles my mind. You're, you're exactly right. And we'll get into this a little bit more maybe tonight. But there are just some things that you and I are not going to figure out about God. Uh, that's how big He is. That's how amazing He is. But let me see if I can. Uh, let me see if I can at least at least try to get us get it on our level 
where we can at least get some type of understanding about the Trinity. Now, Wednesday night, we used an apple. And one of the things we brought out about the apple was we have the apple skin, <coughs> we have the flesh, and we have the seeds. And, uh, and so we have three parts, and yet we have one apple. And the same is true with the Lord. It is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and yet he is one. Now let me give you another, uh, another illustration, if I could. <coughs> another illustration. Now, listen, I'm sorry I'm coughing, but I'm telling you something right now. I am vowed and determined to get this out if I have to cough all the way through, and uh, I am not gonna let the devil get the victory on this today. And uh, I'm telling you, I serve a triune God, amen. And uh, now, an egg, an egg. There's three parts to an egg. We have the shell, and we have the egg white, and we have the egg yolk. Now, we don't have, <coughs> we don't have three different eggs. We have one egg, and yet we have three different parts. Now, that's not a great illustration. None of these illustrations I'm gonna give you this morning are good illustrations because all these illustrations have a flaw, and God has no flaw. But again, I want you to understand, we don't have three eggs, we have one egg and three parts. God is one God. There are not many gods. There are not several gods. There is one God. And yet that God is in three parts. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let me give you another illustration of this truth this morning. Water, think about it like this. Water exists as solid, as a liquid, and as a gas or a vapor. Now, doesn't matter what state that water is in, it's water. And so <clears throat> you can freeze it in the freezer and it is still H2O. You can take that liquid and you can put it, uh, you can run it out of your spigot into a glass in a liquid form and yet it is still the same, same thing. It is H2O. Or you can put it in a pot and it might come out as a gas or a vapor but it is still the same thing. It is H2O, it is water. Now, there is, there is a flaw, there's a flaw with this illustration. Uh, if you take water and you freeze it, it switches from a liquid to a solid. If you boil it, it switches to vapor. God never switches. <coughs> By the way, that is a teaching that's going on right now, even in our supposedly Bible-believing churches, that there is a God, and God is just, <clears throat> every once in a while, he conducts himself in three different entities. Sometimes he comes as Jesus, sometimes he comes as the Holy Spirit, other times he comes as God the Heavenly Father. That's not true at all. We have one God, and yet he consists of three different persons. Now, let me give you today, if I could, let me tell you why it is so important for us to understand the doctrine of the Godhead and the doctrine of the Trinity. We'll see how, how far we go today. How about this? Number one is this. It's because it gives us a better comprehension of God's great love. If you really understand, if you really take the time to study the, the Trinity out and understand it, it gives us a better comprehension of God's great love. Now you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Listen, it would be enough, it would be enough if Jesus had just come to die. That'd be enough. 
But think about it like this. But through the Trinity, you know what we see? We see a loving heavenly father literally lay down the life of his own son for you and me. Now, take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to the book of John. John chapter 3. And I want you to look at verse number 16. Now, some of you already have this memorized. But uh, it'd be good for our eyes to fall upon it this morning. And so John chapter 3 and verse number 16. And look what our Bible says. John chapter 3, verse number 16. The Bible says here, For God so loved the world, thank you, brother, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we find a great truth here, and the great truth is this, that God loved you so much that he gave his only son to come and to bleed and suffer and die for you and me. Now take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn over to the book of Romans. Romans chapter number eight. Romans chapter number eight. And look, at, look if you will, at verse number 32. Romans chapter eight. And verse number 32. Again, we're using our Bibles a little bit more than we normally would maybe on a Sunday morning, but I believe it's good for us to, it's good for you not just to hear the preacher preach this, it's good for you to see this. And so Romans chapter eight, verse number 32 the Bible says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And so again, we see that teaching that God gave his only son. All right, turn back a page or two and look at Romans chapter five. And I want you to find verse number seven. Romans chapter five and verse number seven. The Bible says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Look at verse eight. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so one of the great things that we learned from the Trinity, we believe it was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we love about this doctrine, the, the, the doctrine of the Trinity, is that we comprehend in a greater way just how much God the Father loved us. He loved you so much that he gave his only son to come and to die for you. Now, we won't do this today, but you can go back to Genesis chapter 22. And in Genesis chapter 22, we find a story about Abraham Abraham. And most of you know that story. Abraham messes up, gets outside the will of God. He has a, a, a son by a little Egyptian handmaid by the name of Hagar. And uh, he gives birth to Ishmael. But that was not the promised seed. And it causes a lot of problems. And by the way, still to this day, it causes a lot of problems to this day. Most of the problems that we are experiencing in the Middle East are because of that wrong relationship between Abraham and Hagar. Uh, but God gives Abraham and Sarah a son, uh, a, a son and by the name of Isaac. And uh, you know the story. God comes to Isaac and uh, God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, he says, I want you to do something. I want you to sacrifice your only son, Isaac. The Bible says that, that uh, Abraham takes uh, Isaac up onto Mount Moriah. And uh, you, you know the story. I don't have to tell you the story. But literally gets ready to sacrifice his own son on the altar. Now, that's a picture. That's an Old Testament picture of a New Testament truth. It was a picture that one of these days God was going to provide his own lamb. And God was going to give his own son. And even to this day, people take great 
They have great reverence for that story in Genesis chapter 22 because Abraham was willing to give his only son. Church, I want to tell you something. God was not only willing to give his only son, but he did give his only son. I mean, Jesus Christ came to this earth and, uh, and became our advocate. He became uh, our sin bearer. In fact, I want to point that out to you this morning that God didn't merely give his son, but he poured the sin of mankind upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And look at verse number 21. Listen, I want you to understand something. Jesus Christ didn't just die. He did more than just die. Now, a lot of times we'll say, well, the Lord died. That's true, he did die, but he did a lot more than just die. Jesus Christ became the sin bearer for you and the sin bearer for me. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and look at verse number 21. The Bible says, for he, God, for he hath made him, Jesus, for he hath, by the way, you see the Trinity right there as well. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Take your Bibles and turn over toward the back of your Bible. First Peter chapter two, first Peter chapter two. And I want you to find your place to verse number 24. First Peter chapter two and verse number 24. Look what our Bible says. First Peter chapter two, verse 24. The Bible says to his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Now church, this is what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying it very good, but this is what I'm trying to say. Listen, uh, it is one thing for me to die for you. It is quite another if I were willing to give my son for you. You talk about a sacrifice. That's a sacrifice. Most of you here this morning would, would probably say, Pastor, I'd be willing to die for somebody that I love. I would. But I would not be willing to give one of my children. Most of you parents here this morning that have kids, you love those kids like your very own life. And most of you would not be willing to give your child for somebody else. And yet that's exactly what God did for us. God gave his son to come and to die for us, but he did not just die, but the Lord Jesus Christ became the sin bearer, and the Bible tells us that God took your sins, and God took my sins, and he poured our sins upon his darling son, and there on the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ bore my sins and the penalty for my sins, and he did yours as well, and thank God, there once and for all, he paid the price for our sin. If you will, he paid our hell for us. And I thought about that song. I don't know if anybody sings this song at our church, but if they don't, they need to. And the song says, how deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. That's me, I'm the wretch. How great the pain of searing loss, the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Now, church, if you don't get anything else from this message this morning, I want you to understand something, that a great price has been paid for you. God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son 
If you're, if you're out here today and you say, preacher, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, that's not true at all. You have a heavenly father that loves you so much that he gave his only son to come and to die for you and become the sin bearer for you. And by the way, church, that's why I am very offended when people say something like this. I just can't believe that God would send somebody to hell. That offends me. And I want to I, I say this. Listen, if you go to hell, it won't be because he sent you there. If you go to hell, you'll go to hell because you sent yourself there. You say, Pastor, how can you say that? I'm telling you, a price has been paid and it was the ultimate price. What more could God do? God gave his only son to come to this sin-cursed earth and to die an agonizing, excruciating death so that you and I could have life and not just have life, but have life more abundant. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning if you want to turn to the book of Hebrews. And look with me, please, at Hebrews chapter 10. In verse number 29, somebody says, I can't believe God would send somebody to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. People send themselves there. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 29. The Bible says, of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy. Look at this last part. Who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite under the spirit of grace. All oh, listen to me. God paid the ultimate price so you could be saved and live forever in heaven. Hey, church, listen. I'm gonna tell you something. If you're here this morning and you go to hell, you'll go to hell because you stepped over the blood of Jesus Christ. He gave his only son so you could be born again. Several years ago, a good friend of mine who was an older, he was an older gentleman, told me, he shared this story with me, with me personally. And uh, we had not seen each other in quite a while and came back together and he began to share his testimony and, and I, was, I was just, I was dumbfounded. And he said, preacher, he said, I was, um, I was on my way to Winston-Salem, North Carolina and he said, as I got between states for Winston-Salem. He said, I began to feel bad. And he said, eventually, he said, I, I, I got the feeling so bad. He said, I pulled over to, uh, to the shoulder. I pulled over to the side of the interstate. And that man who was, I'm guessing at the time, that man was probably 60, probably around 60 years of age. When he pulled over, pulled over into the shoulder, he went into full cardiac arrest. Was sitting on the side of the interstate. Nobody knew and he was sitting on the side of the interstate having a heart attack. The car sat there and sat there and sat there, and of course we know it was the Lord. Finally, a law enforcement officer saw the car and he stopped and pulled it behind the car and went up to check on this gentleman and of course could tell he was unconscious and they, they called an ambulance, they rushed him to Baptist Hospital. And after they examined him, they basically told him this, they said, you know, they, you've, you've had a heart attack and you don't have any hope. Outside of a heart transplant, it's the only hope you've got. And so they put him on the list. Several days later, there was an accident that happened. 
and a teenage boy, his life was ended in this traffic accident. And the family said, we don't want this to be a waste. So we'd like to donate his heart. Well, my friend was on the list. And so sure enough, they brought this young man's body in. They took his heart out. They brought my friend in. They took him to the, to the uh, operating room as well. And they took, they took this teenage boy's heart out of his body and took it over in the other operating room and put that teenage heart into this man who was probably 60 years old at the time. And you know what? He'd been living just doing well ever since. And basically, he told me this. He said, you know what? He said, I owe my life to that teenage boy. He said, man, I feel great today. He said, I've got a new heart. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you think, how do you think those parents would have felt? If when this young man was killed in that accident and they, 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 they take his body into the operating room, they take his heart out of his body, they bring it over here to this guy that's sick, He's on his last leg. He's getting ready to pass away. And they, they walk in and they say, hey, we don't just have a heart for you. We have a beautiful teenage heart, healthy, just getting started. And we're going to put this brand new heart in your body and give you a second chance. What do you think would have happened if that man would have said, no way? No way. I refuse it. I reject it. I don't want his heart. I don't accept his sacrifice. You know what would happen? Ultimately, that man would have died. He would have perished. Those parents would have been so disappointed, but that man would have passed away. Listen, can you imagine how God the Father feels when he gave his only son to come and to die? They, they beat him. They, they scourged him. They spat upon him. They plucked his beard out. They, they, they beat him until Isaiah said that his visage was so marred more than any man. They put him on a cross and put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And, and they mocked him and they stripped him and they ridiculed him. And there the Lord Jesus Christ died hanging between heaven and earth. And yet to this day, we have people who say, I refuse it. I reject it. I don't need it. And yet those same folks are sick, spiritually sick, on their way to hell. They cannot save themselves. And yet they, they, can, they continue to step over the blood of Christ and to reject his wonderful gift. Listen, if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, I'm telling you, today might be the last day that you ever have to accept that wonderful gift of salvation. And if you reject it today, today may be the last day you'll ever have an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. Oh, what a gift. In fact, our Bible calls it, the Bible calls it, an unspeakable gift. Unspeakable. Well, thank God. One of the things I learned from the Trinity is this, that God gave us his only son. What love. Would you do me a favor this morning? Would you bow your heads with me? And I want to ask a question or two. I wonder how many, how many, are here this morning. And you say, Pastor, if I died right now, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I've been born again. 
and I know that I'm on my way to heaven. If you can say that as a testimony, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just slip your hand up right now? Preacher, if I died, I'm sure that I would go to heaven. You may lower your hands. Can I ask you this, though? Would there be one here today, anywhere, and you'd let me pray for you, and you'd say, Pastor, honestly, in all honesty, I could not raise my hand. And if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I don't want to disrespect God's sacrifice. But preacher, I don't know for sure that if I died, that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one like that anywhere right now? I'm not going to come back and get you. I just want to pray for you. You'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me right now? Pray for me. I see that hand. Is there somebody else? Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you please pray for me? Is there another like that anywhere? I see that little hand. Thank you. Is there somebody else? Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you please pray for me? Is there somebody else? Can I pray for you today? Can I pray for you? Come on, be honest. Thank you. I see that hand right there. Thank you. Is there somebody else? Can I pray with you? Can I pray with you? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. I see that little hand right there. Anybody else? Anybody else before we pray? All right. Hey, listen, Christian, when's the last time? When's the last time you just got up close to the Lord and said, Lord, thank you. Thank you for sending your only son. Thank you, Lord, for being my sin bearer, for paying my hell. When's the last time you just had a little spell about your salvation? If it's been a while, maybe today you need to do that. Would you do me a big favor? Would you stand with us with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege to be here today. Lord, I just gave a simple thought this morning. We just sort of got started. But Lord, I didn't want to rush through this thought. Lord, one of the, one of the great things we learned from the triune God is that God the Father gave his only son. Lord, we can have life and we can have it more abundantly because of the sacrifice that you have made. Father, if there's one here today that does not know that they know that they know that they're on their way to heaven, I pray in just a moment, Lord, that you would give them faith to believe and God, that you would draw them to yourself and that they would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you'd work in the heart of that Christian that's been born again. And Lord, today that they would leave being more thankful that they're saved, that they're born again. Lord, so thankful that they're determined they're gonna serve you. They're not gonna live away from the will of God. Lord, they're gonna serve you. God, I pray that you'd have your way in this invitation. Speak to every heart, I pray. Father, we sure thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm gonna ask our 
personal workers, they'll just tiptoe down to the altar this morning. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I need to be saved. Hey, would you just step out right now and let somebody take a Bible and show you how you can know the Savior? Would you do that? If you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, I am saved, but oh, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. The Holy Spirit's knocking on my door right now. I know I need to do it. I need to rededicate my life to Christ. I know I do. Hey, listen, would you come? Would you come right now? Would you come? Rededicate your life back to the Lord. You're here this morning and say, Pastor, I am saved, but I've, I've not followed the Lord in believer's baptism, and I need to be baptized. I need to be baptized. Hey, why don't you come make yourself a candidate for baptism? Or maybe you're here this morning, Pastor, we feel it the will of God to join with this local body. Hey, it could be anything, but if the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart right now, would you come while we wait? Would you come? So, Father, I thank you for what you're doing right now. God, I pray that you'll continue to work. Holy Spirit, do what we cannot do. Work in spite of us. I pray that you'd have your way in this invitation. Father, help us to leave with a greater appreciation for our so great salvation. Lord, for the sacrifice that's been made for, for us. And then, Lord, for those that raised their hands and said that they're not sure about their salvation, they're not sure of heaven. God, today, I pray that you'd help them to come. And I pray, Lord, that they would accept Christ as their Lord and Savior today. Please have your way in this invitation. And we sure thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just for a moment, just for a moment. And if you need to come, listen, the altar's open. Will you come while we wait? Will you come? We'll sing in just a moment, okay? You come today. We've got some folks here with the Bible. would love to pray with you and deal with you. You come this morning.